Thank you. 
failures, bring your additions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting, God so loved the world. Amen. Well, welcome everybody this morning. It's good to see you all. Some new faces and smiles uh, outside or under the mask either way. Everybody's smiling in their eyes. So, um, couple of things this morning. I uh, wanted to say thank you as we look back over December and just this last year a little bit as uh, the overall church uh, giving online um, and then here in the in service. Um, thank you for your faithfulness. So we would just ask uh, if you uh, continue to do that online through our website is a link or um, out in the hallway. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, continue prayers for the pastoral search. So uh, it's kind of in the middle of things. There's a lot of progress happening. Um, we've been quiet because we're just kind of going through that process, but your prayers are definitely appreciated right now. And um, then the other one I'll just continue with the theme from last week is that connecting with each other. So we had an opportunity on Saturday to connect with the baby shower with Bill Larson. So I heard that was fun. And uh, a lot of few people got together, and it was nice to just hear that happening. I know we have to be careful and we have to be limited, but... Um, that connection piece is really important. So um, some of you still meet together um, in small groups, and I know you're taking precautions, but uh, it's nice to, to know people can still connect with each other. I would say is uh, we have a lot of technology available to us too, so if you don't feel like you can connect live, um, connecting with somebody via video is a lot different than just hearing a voice on the phone. So I would just challenge you to see if you can get on a video call with somebody if that's something you're able to do. So. Um, and then with that, uh, just continue prayers for each other. Uh, think about your church family throughout the week. So that's pretty much our announcements, and uh, glad to see everybody. Glad you're here for worship this morning. So. Feel free to stand this morning. Let's get some blood flowing. Let's worship together. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. And we just ask for your anointing on this service today, God, on your word. Jesus, may I touch the deep depths of our heart, God, today. Thank you for being so faithful, so true, God, that we can trust in you, Jesus, no matter what the world looks like around us, God. You are in control, and that is what we choose to focus on, Jesus. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing surprises you, God. You have made us to live for such a time as this. We love you, Jesus. Changing 
Proclaim our love for you, God. You are faithful, you are true, you are hope, you are our peace. God, we thank you and we don't take it lightly that you paid the greatest cost for each one of us, God. God, and it's not just for us here in America, God, but it's for every single soul around our planet, God. May we not get so caught up in what's going on in our nation and forget about the soul across the world, Jesus, that you love so much. God, we just lift up your name to the nations, God. We proclaim their love for you, God. You have paid the highest price. He has proven his great love for us. We will praise you with our lives and proclaim our love for you. We proclaim our love for you and proclaim our love for you.
Righteousness and justice, the earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars, and he puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth feel, fear the Lord. Let all people of the world revere him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you.
Father God. That is our prayer today, God. That is our declaration today, God. That we would open our hearts and our lives to you, God, fully. And that you would speak truth into our hearts and our lives, God. There's, there's so many things. There's so many things vying for attention. There's so many things declaring themselves as true in this world today, God, that are far from it, God. But, Lord, you want to, and you have the ability to speak to our hearts, God, and our lives, and to transform us, God, and to change our perspective and, and put our perspective on you and look through the lens of your love and your life and your plans for us, God. Lord, we just declare that truth would come into our lives today, God, through you speaking to us, God. We thank you that you want to have that relationship with us, God. You want to have that dialogue with us, God. You want to have that conversation with us, God. And even when you feel far off, you are actually right there near us, God. You draw near to us and you want to speak to us, God. Lord, let our hearts our lives be open to your speaking today, God, to your truth today. We love you. In Jesus' name. Good week. You know, we dove into worship a little bit last week, and I, I promised you that that's what we we're going to dig into for the next few weeks, and we're still here, so that's good. I just think this is an important thing. Some of what I will say today, we're probably rehashing the stuff from last week, but we're just going to kind of journey through worship. God's a practical God too, right? So we're going to we're going to begin to also put into practice some of these things that we learn, right? And it's going to change our spiritual atmosphere, but it also just change our perspective and, and things around us. How many of you guys have seen The Princess Bride? Anybody? Anybody seen The Princess Bride? I used to have a pastor that said you were not saved unless you saw The Princess Bride. I don't know that that's good doctrine, um, uh, but with as much uh, seriousness as I can think of, and she was she was pretty serious anyway. She was a pretty serious gal. She, uh, she'd tell me, hey, you haven't seen the Princess Bride, you're you're not saved. You can't be a part of our fellowship. I don't know what that was about. But, and then I watched it, and I was like, yes. Um, some of you might appreciate. I, I worked at a, a rental shop uh, several years ago, and uh, I have this little running joke. I say I'm a quarter giant. I'm not a full giant. I'm just a quarter giant. Uh, and uh, my nickname at uh, that rental shop was Fessick. And uh, the reason being was because one day I was out in the parking lot. You guys know the big tow-behind uh, generators? They're, they're pretty heavy. And uh, I actually, um, uh, this is when I was just fresh out of college football and, and uh, 
uh, stuff, and so I was still fairly strong and not as old and weak as I am now. But uh, I uh, actually uh, needed to move one of those. And rather than ask for help, I actually picked up the tongue, and I, I picked up the tongue of the, the, the generator, and I began to pull it backwards as if I was in the world's strongest man competition. And I noticed it was pretty hard, heavy and, 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 and pretty big. I mean, I still, I, I could deadlift a lot when I was in high school and college. I, I still have some of those records of being able to do that. But I picked this thing up and I drug it across the lot. And when I got to the other side of the lot and I was exhausted, I turned around and there were 15 of my coworkers looking at me on the sidewalk. They, they didn't offer to help. They just wanted to see if I could do that uh, feat of strength. And so from then on, I was called Fessick. And so I heard a lot of, Fessick, tear his arms off and stuff like that. It was kind of fun. But um, if any of you have seen The Princess Bride, um, it's, it's one of my favorite movies. And what does Wesley say every time the buttercup speaks to him? As you... tells us that every time Wesley said, as you wish, what he was really saying was, I love you. To which his grandson replied, is this a kissing book, right? <laughs> what was it that Wesley and Buttercup shared? True love. This is the nature of true love. It seeks to please the loved one, as you wish. When Jesus prayed in the garden, he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What was he saying? As you wish. This is true love. And we're, we're talking about 24-7 worship, about loving God with all we've got all the time. Today, we're going to see that true love, real worship, is surrender. It's living every, every day as you wish in response to Jesus. I know it's not easy. May your will be done as you wish. Has it ever been hard to surrender to God? Maybe you've been afraid of what God will ask. Maybe you say, man, if I just say, as you wish, Lord, he'll make me become a missionary in Zimbabwe or a nun in Minot, North Dakota. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> By the way, guys, if you're getting called to be a nun in Minot, North Dakota, I would ask you to ask God again when he's speaking to your heart. I went to school in North Dakota. I had to ask forgiveness later because I called it the land that God forsook. I wonder how many of you think that God would be plotting as we talk about surrender, full surrender, would be plotting to make us miserable and just waiting for us to just give in. Maybe you want to surrender everything to God. Maybe you have surrendered everything to God and then you take some of it back. Any of us been there? Or maybe you're in this room or you're listening online and you just don't want to quite relinquish the reins. Maybe 
you're a new believer, maybe you've been a believer for a long, long time, but there's those places in your heart and your life that you don't, you don't quite want to relinquish control. I like being in control of my own life. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I like being able to live my life on my terms. I'm not interested in fully surrendering. I, I want it to be optional, only to pick up when necessary. Whatever the reason, most of us wrestle with surrendering to God. It's hard to do. On a daily basis, we wrestle with surrendering to God. If you guys don't, maybe you can shed a little light on, on how that's achieved. Because I know I do every day, every minute, every hour. See, God isn't asking for much. He's, he's asking for everything. But I want to make it clear that he's not asking for perfection. He's, he's actually asking for surrender. He knows you're not perfect. That's why he died for you and for me. Being a Christian is, is giving your whole life to God, laying it all on the altar. Worship is surrender. What do you want from me, God? His answer is always the same. I want everything. I want you to cast all of your cares onto me, for I care for you. As you wish. Our text today makes that clear. Let's read it together. Let's not, because I didn't put it up on there. I forgot about that. I did not put up slides again today. But here, I'll read it for you. It's Romans 12.1. You guys probably know it by heart. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. True worship is offering yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Worship is surrender. So let's take a closer look. The first part of that is I urge you. I urge you. I thought about that verse. It begins... I urge you. That word urge is an interesting word. To urge someone is to do something, or to urge someone to do something is to beg them, to earnestly and strongly advise them to do it. What other words come from urge? Urgent. Urgency, right? And urgency requires immediate action. It's important to do it now. How many of you have ever gone to an urgent care clinic? Why do you go there? Because you are sick or you're injured and you need immediate attention. You can't afford to make an appointment to see the doctor in three weeks or you might bleed out, right? Okay. It's urgent. It needs attention now. That's the idea behind that word. To urge is stronger than to simply suggest or recommend or encourage, right? Urgent is a stronger word. There's lots of examples, but in an attempt to sound more spiritual, uh, I'll use this as one. Um, anybody seen the movie Fireproof, right? It's a pretty good, pretty good movie back in the day on, on marriage and just has got some encouraging things, even though some people think Christian movies are totally cheeseball, it's got some good principles in it, right? Um, our friend Kirk Cameron, people in my generation grew up with, right? Um, is in that. And I, and I 
think there were a lot of pastors back in the day that would say, I recommend all of you to see it. It's a good movie. That's a recommendation, right? And if, if you're married, maybe the pastor would say, I encourage you to see it. That's a step beyond a recommendation. That's, I'm encouraging you. I'm cheering you on. I really hope you will see this. Please see this. And maybe if your marriage is struggling, a pastor would say, I urge you to see that movie. I urge you to see it. That's a step beyond encouragement, right? I'm urging you. This is important, and you should do it as soon as you can. It will help you. You, you need to go do it. Go do it. Please, go. Go see it. See, Paul starts off with, I urge you to offer your bodies to God as true worship. That is urgent. This is an urgent thing. This is important. Worshiping God with all you've got. Offering yourself to God as a living sacrifice is important. When Jesus was asked the most important commandment, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love God with all you have all the time. It's not a suggestion or a recommendation. It's urgent. We talked last week. There's only one answer for all of the questions. It's Jesus. Jesus first, right? Turning our eyes towards Jesus, worshiping him, making that part of our life every day, surrendering. I'm going to urge us today to give our lives to God, our whole lives, and nothing less. This is important. Relinquish control. Give it all to him. Not just some of it, but all of it. We have to give it all to him. Because if we don't, we'll too easily take the reins of one part, and then that will invade into another part of our life, and another part of our life, and another part, until we've tried to take back total control. In the scripture, it says the motivation, the, the motivation for worship in that scripture that we read. In view of God's mercies. Now I know it says mercy. Hang on. In view of God's mercies. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies. I know that it reads mercy, but the Greek is actually, that's plural. It's plural. It's mercies. God's mercy is so huge and expressed in so many ways that Paul referred to it in plural as mercies. God doesn't just give us one mercy. He gives us many mercies, right? Thank goodness. Or do we all be crispy critters right now? The motivation for worship is God's mercies. When you get God's mercies in view... When you see clearly what God has done and is doing for you, you worship. You worship. And specifically, you worship by offering your whole life to God out of gratitude. You can surrender your life to God if you see his mercies clearly and trust him. You don't surrender yourself to someone you don't trust. If you find yourself in parts of your life not surrendering them to God, a question to ask is, why do I not trust God in that area of my life? We've talked about it a few times over the past few weeks. Our response 
to God's mercy, to his presence, to his work in our lives should be worship. Our first response on a daily basis should be worship. Just like John the Baptist when he first encountered Jesus and he was in Elizabeth's body, when he first encountered the, or encountered the presence of Jesus, he leapt in worship, right? Imagine having a beautiful new car. Go ahead, everybody. How many Corvettes? How many Porsches? How many Camaros? How many Yugos? Imagine yourself having a beautiful new car. And your neighbor's son asks if he can borrow it. The young man is 16, and he's been driving for three months. And he already has two speeding tickets and one accident on his record. What are you going to say? This is not a place where you operate in grace. This is a place where you operate in wisdom, another spiritual gift. And you say, no way, Jose. Right? Because you don't trust him. So you won't surrender your new car to him. Same scenario, you have a beautiful new car and your neighbor asked to borrow it. You've known him for years. He's 45, he's never been in an accident, and he takes meticulous care of his things. You can just tell by his lawn in the summer and it's way nicer than yours, right? What will you say when he asks to borrow your car? Are you gonna say, take a hike, dude? Probably not. You're probably, you're probably gonna say, yeah, you can borrow my car, I trust you, right? Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. A much bigger deal than loaning out your car, by the way. But he knows that we can't and we won't do it unless we trust him. So first, he says, in view of God's mercies. So you get a clear view of God's mercies and you'll surrender. Get a clear view of God's mercy. You've experienced his grace firsthand. Did we not talk about that last week? And I know that many people use this whole scripture right here in Romans um, to talk about weight loss, especially this time of year, right? They go, oh, see, it's in the Bible. This is why I need to go to the gym, right? And I get it. And I'm not saying that that's not part of it. I'm not saying that we all can't do more in that area. Some of us more than others, okay? I'm pointing to myself. I'm not looking at I mean, I am looking at other people, but that's not who you, you got. It. Okay, you get it. But are we really using our bodies that God has given, given us to bring him glory? Are we serving people in need? Are we helping people out? Are we going into community? Are we reflecting the glory of God to others? Are we using our bodies the way that God intended us as living sacrifices. Do you have a clear view of what he's done for you? Do you have his mercies in view? In Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being praises his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins, and heals all your diseases. 
who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Don't forget all his benefits. Don't forget all he's done for you. He's forgiven all of our sins. He's healed all of our diseases. He has redeemed our life from the pit. How many of us have been in pits? How many of us maybe are in a pit right now? How many of us think life is the pits, right? <laughs> he pulled us out of that. He met us there and he, he can help pull us out. And he's given us a new life. Don't forget that. We worship him in view of his mercies, but it's not just what God has done in the past. We also need a clear view of what he's doing right now in our lives and a, a clear view of the promises he has for us in the future. But it starts with surrendering daily. Lamentations 322 through 23 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for that, Lord. I don't know about you, but I'd be consumed if it wasn't for his mercies. If it wasn't for his faithfulness. His mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Fresh mercy each day. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, God will be there offering you fresh mercies, offering you fresh grace, fresh strength, fresh wisdom, fresh love, fresh power for the day. His mercies are new every morning. My kids really like to make coffee for me and Ambika in the morning. We have a cool little machine and they can just put a little thing in there and push a button and it makes like real good coffee. It's not the $7,000 Miley that I someday dream of having in my wall, you know, that just like I can just talk to and it just like pours me a perfect latte. It's not that, but it's still pretty good. And we feel blessed to have it. One of my employers bought it for me at one point. But my kids make fresh coffee most mornings. And if there are some left over in my cup because I got distracted by tying kids' shoes or getting them dressed or, you know, whatever it was, and it gets a little cold and I don't want to drink anymore, I throw it out. I can smell coffee and tell that it's fresh, okay? Some people would say, that's a coffee snob, but that's me, okay? I can tell if it's fresh, and I can't do the day-old stuff. Like, I can't do the thing my dad used to do when he'd do the pot of coffee, his little bun coffee maker, right? Bun, right? That was the big one back in the day, right? And. Uh, leave it there all day and then he just go well I'll just turn it back on in the morning and I'll have more coffee I can't do that right I like my f coffee fresh every morning that's how I like my mercies too <laughs> yesterday's mercies won't always carry me through today and I have to work on that every day and I do work on it and I I work on it different than it might look for you. I need to spend time with God. 
I don't even know if my wife knows this, but one of the things I do when I drive into work and I get into the parking lot is I spend 20 to 30 minutes in the parking lot. I know that seems ridiculous that I'd sit in my truck for, but I spend 20 or 30 minutes going, <laughs> I need your perspective, God, to get through this day. Because I can't trust in my own strength to figure out whatever it is I need to figure out to be successful in whatever you've called me to be successful at. Right? And so we need to read his word. We need to ask him to speak to us. Give me one thing today, God, for my new mercies. And then maybe you write it down and you pray it back to him. I need fresh mercies, Lord. It's like putting on the coffee pot every morning. Get it fresh, right? Get it fresh. If you, if you continue to allow the mercies from yesterday and the day before to be the only ones that you seek out and you, and you, you think about and you don't make a habit of seeking new mercies every day, eventually you'll forget about the goodness of God and his fresh mercies and what he has for you today. I'm not saying to not look back and be grateful, but many of us have a fresh mercy. We get excited about it. Then we go five days later and then we're struggling. And that one has already gone stale or old and we, it doesn't have the power to change our perspective and change our hearts like it did the day it happened. Spend time with him daily. Get your worship on daily and surrender daily and watch what comes out of your life. You aren't giving to get, but something happens. We all know Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship. It's not about what God did 20 centuries ago, but it's also what he's doing now in us and through us. It's a relationship, so it's got to be fresh, right? 12 years ago, I married Amica. I promised her faithful love forever. Every now and then, she asked me, do you love me? I never say, have you forgotten what I promised you 12 years ago? And we don't usually bust into the fiddler on the roof thing. Do you love me? Do I what? Although once in a while we might. Used to do some musical theater, but she hasn't forgotten. She wants to know if I still love her. If my love is as fervent and fresh today as it was 12 years ago when I made the promises. Good relationships keep growing. There is fresh love, new mercies. That's why... What I love about being a Christian, it's not a dead religion, it's a fresh relationship. God's mercies are new every morning, and it's his mercies that motivate me to love him and love others. Do we have a clear view of what he's done for us? What he's done for you and what he's doing? Do we have his mercies in view? The more clearly we see what God has done for us, the deeper our worship and surrender will be. In that first scripture we read, it says, offer your bodies to God as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. See, in the Old Testament, what did people do? They worshiped God by offering animal sacrifices. And then the animal was killed and the body burned on the altar as a sacrifice to God. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that anymore? See, we don't offer animals on the altar anymore. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Many, many years ago, I heard this story and it grabbed me. 
at a Sunday worship service, how many of you guys have been to a foreign country? How many of you have ever been done, done missions work in, in a foreign country, right? It'll change your life if you can go on a mission. I think that we need more missionaries in the United States too, okay? I think God cares about this. I have friends that are from Africa, from South Africa, and they're missionaries to the U.S., right? I think that's important. But you go overseas and see somebody that has far, far less than us in how they worship God. Or you just recognize how blessed we are. It'll change your life. And it's really cool over in some of those foreign countries because you can go to a foreign country and it doesn't matter what the sign on their door says of what denomination they are, what fellowship they belong to. They all do the same thing. Hungrily and fervently pursue the King of Kings and the move of God in their lives. It doesn't matter if they're Baptist, Assemblies of God, Nazarene, they all just lay it all out for Jesus. At a Sunday worship service, a group of African Christians was asked to prepare their offerings. Most of these people were poor farmers. They didn't use money. They bartered with goods. Produce or livestock that they raised or products that they made with their own hands. So each Sunday, the offering was collected in large woven baskets, standing several feet tall to hold live chickens, stocks of corns, stocks of corn, bunches of bananas, and other goods that would be given. Can you guys picture that? Pretty amazing. On this one particular Sunday, a little boy found himself at worship, empty-handed. He wanted to give something to God, but he had nothing to give. Suddenly, he had an inspiration. As the big basket came by, he jumped in, and he said, I'm giving myself to God. I'm giving myself to God. Wouldn't it be great if it was that easy? Just hop in the basket. See, someone said that the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. It's true. We climb into the basket, and then we crawl back out. We have to offer ourselves to God over and over because we surrender all, and then we take it back. I put my life on the altar and then I crawl off and I go do my own thing for a while. I loved summer camp as a kid. It was my favorite week of the whole year. I always came back so charged up for Jesus. At camp, there was always a night that was about surrender. There was always this night when I was a kid, it was, there was always this night where you would write the things down that you felt like you weren't surrendering to God, the things that you were struggling with, and you'd take them to the altar and you'd either nail them to the cross or you'd put them there at the altar and they th or throw them in the trash can. And then as I was a youth pastor, to show how much our culture changed, when we had that night, we'd have teenagers pulling joints out of their pocket that they had hidden in their pocket to come to camp. We had people with baggies of marijuana that would put them at the altar. It was amazing, though. It was an amazing time. I heard uh, some camps would have a bonfire one night, and they'd each, every student would have a stick. And they would go around the circle and just say, I want to surrender my life. And they would throw the stick in, and that's what that was. It was, a, it was throwing all that stuff, all that junk that was weighing them down, 
into that fire and saying, Jesus, it's yours. Change my life. It was always very moving. There were always lots of tears. There were always lots of lofty promises, if I'm honest. Lots of people putting themselves on the altar as living sacrifices. And we've all done it, so I'm not judging any of the other people I saw do it either. But when we'd get home and that spiritual high would wear off, many of those sacrifices crawled right off that altar and went back to life as usual. Ever done that? Ever put yourself on the altar and then crawled off it later? I wonder where we all are at right now. If we took an honest inventory, could we say our life is on the altar and that we're fully surrendered to God? Or have we crawled off somewhere and your life is not surrendered? Surrendering to God isn't something that we do once, right? It's a lifestyle. It's a 24-7 deal. We get up every morning to do new mercies and we surrender again to God. Here's my life. Here's my heart, Lord. Do what you want as you wish. We have to keep doing it because otherwise we wander. We have a dog named Lucy at our house or Princess Gecko Sprinkles something, Lizard Legs. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. One of the kids named her that once. But she has this wanderlust, if you will. If one of the kids opened the front door, especially when she was um, a little bit younger, she's only two years old now, but as soon as one of the kids would open the front door, boom, she was gone. Right? The kids and I would give chase, and we'd never catch her. And I probably wasn't very spiritual in these moments, if I'm honest. I'd call her, she'd stop. She'd look at me. And then she'd take off in the opposite direction. At first, we would fret and we'd worry. The stress level in my own heart would rise. My blood pressure would go up through the roof because we were worried she might get lost or hit or stolen, right? But Lucy would always come back eventually, usually after I drove around in the car for 17 blocks or so. She's a lot better now. She actually will come as long as we bribe her. So learned behavior, I guess. I'm a lot like Lucy, though. I love God, but I wander. I want to be surrendered, but I get distracted. I crawl off the altar, and I slip out the front door, and I wander. I know if any of you remember the third stanza in the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy counts above. See, my heart is prone to wander. Is it yours? I'm a living sacrifice, and I often crawl off the altar, and it's God's mercies God's grace that binds my wandering heart to him and brings me back again and again and again and again. This is not a thing that we should be down about, that we've wandered, that we are not fully surrendered, but it's an opportunity to change that in our daily lives. 
Are we fully surrendered or are we off around the block somewhere? We have to keep coming back each day. As you wish, Lord. As you wish. I think it's significant that Paul says offer your bodies. Because by offering our bodies to God, we offer everything, our whole lives. We offer all that we think in our minds. All that we say with our lips. All that we do with our hands. And everywhere we go with our feet. Off your body is to offer totality of your life and activities to God. It's full surrender. Nothing held back. Paul could have said, offer your thoughts, offer your prayers, offer your worship, offer your things. But any of these would have been less than our whole self. But if we offer our body, you offer your whole life. For our whole life in this world is lived through the body. Paul's saying that offering your body to God is spiritual worship. That's unique in the Christian faith because the Greeks thought of the soul as good and the body as bad. The soul was entrapped in the body and spiritual life was a matter of escaping or overcoming your body. The soul must ascend to God who is pure spirit. But Christianity shocked the Greek world because God who is spirit descended to us and took on a human body. It changed everything, the incarnation. Now instead of escaping the body to get to God, we offer our bodies to God while on this earth, right? All that we think with our minds, all that we say with our limbs, all that we do with our hands, everything, everywhere we go with our feet, as you wish. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Worship is surrender. Worship is more than the songs we sing. It is the life offered to God as a living sacrifice. Can you imagine? Some of you don't have to imagine because this has actually happened. Can you imagine having a child that was compliant and eager to please you for an hour every weekend? For one hour. On Sunday, this child would tell you he loves you and sing your praises as a parent. Oh, mom and dad, you are the greatest parents on the planet. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're fabulous. Sounds good. One hour every weekend, right? Some of us would probably say 15 minutes every weekend would be good. Our kids are great, by the way. They're perfect. Angels, we never struggle with this. But the rest of the week, this kid basically ignores you. He just goes on and does his own thing, acting as if you don't exist. And then the next weekend, you get serenaded again for another hour. What would you think? My child is weird. This doesn't add up, right? This is what it's like when we sing at church and then live like we want the rest of the week, right? I love you here at church. My will be done. It doesn't add up. The surrender to God has two prominent characteristics. It's total and it's reasonable. It is total surrender to God 
The totality of surrender is seen in the language of sacrifice. The sacrifice was killed and then burned, totally consumed in the fire. To be a living sacrifice is to be totally surrendered to God. I love this. Someone has said when you look at a plate of ham and eggs, you know the chicken was involved. But the pig was committed. The chicken gave something. The pig gave everything. Right? It's one thing to be a chicken, Christian. You're involved. It's another thing to be a pig, Christian. You're surrendered. Right? You've given everything. Surrender is total and it's reasonable. The word spiritual comes from the Greek word logikos. We get the word logical from it. It's translated into reasonable oftentimes. Offering ourselves to God is reasonable and logical. It makes sense. Total surrender is the only course to take when we really see who God is and what he's done for us. To decide to give every part of our lives to God and to keep the other parts to yourself is to say, everything is yours, Lord, except for this relationship, except for this deal, this pleasure. That's irrational. It's rational to do that. Surrender to God is reasonable. It makes sense. I think wrote two sermons down in my tablet for some reason, but that's okay. We can, we can get through it. Scottish physician and missionary to Africa, David Livingstone, wrote this in his journal. People talk of sacrifice. I have made, or the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply paying back a small part of the great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward in healthy activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say it is rather a privilege to give myself totally to God is really no sacrifice. It's a privilege for I owe everything to him and he always gives back to me more than I give to him always gives back to me more. We were trying to teach that principle to our kiddos this morning. So it's good to give. You don't give to get, but you always get more back by giving to God. For, every, for whoever saves or wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Matthew 16, 25. Are we giving our lives today fully? Are we surrendering fully? Are we going to the altar and then crawling off of it so quickly? When we surrender our lives to God, you find your life. I urge you this week to live your life surrendered to God. I urge you, I don't recommend, 
I don't encourage, I urge you to live this prayer as you wish. That prayer that we talked about, that Jesus prayed, as you wish. Would we live that this week? Would we live that for our own lives? Would we live that for the lives around us? Would we live that as we pray for our next pastor? Not my checklist, God. Not my list of top ten things that I want to see in a pastor. But God, as you wish, the person that is the right person for the job, the person that you have called and you've ordained for such a time as this, to invest in this community of believers, to invest in this church, to be fully committed and fully surrendered to the will of God in Belgrade, Montana, to make a difference and to impact and help us grow and that we can grow together and that we can partner alongside of that person. Will we do that this week? Will we say, as you wish, God? Can you, can you just make a conscious effort this week to not just say, as you wish in your own life? in your own things. But say as you wish for this church, which is a part of your life, right? Can we surrender? Can we give our hearts to him? Let's sing. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Dreams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount I'm fixed upon Mount of thy to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be let thy grace Lord like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to
God, that we know that what is true is that you love us, God. We know that what is true is that you have plans for our life, God. You have plans of a hope and a bright future and not desperation and despair, God. We know the truth is, God, is that as we surrender our lives to you, as we live in view of all of your mercies, God, and we live a life of surrender and worship, God, that although we may still come against the enemy, although we may come against things that, that resist what you have for us, God, that, that we will thrive, God. We will thrive, Lord, in our relationship with you, God. And that full surrender is the only surrender, God. Help us with that today. I know that none of us have got that figured out, God. I know that it's a daily thing for all of us to surrender to you, to give you those parts of our life, God. And I just pray for every person here, every person under the sound of my voice, God, that those areas of our life, God, that we've been so wanting to hang on to and not relinquish the reins, God, that today that we would do that, God, we would lay them at the altar, God. But, Lord, today that we would not allow them to crawl back off the altar tomorrow, God. We give our lives to you and surrender, Lord. We give our lives to you that what we say with our lips, where we go with our feet, what we think with our mind, would always project your mercy, your grace, and your glory and not our own opinions, not our circumstance, and not us putting our trust in anything but you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you that you come to urge us. You, you come to not discourage us or point out everything that's messed up in our life, God, but that you love us despite all those messes and that you urge us to seek you wholeheartedly. We pray for this church, God. We, we pray that not only in our just our lives and our own personal circumstances that we sometimes focus on that we might say as you wish, but even in this church body and this season that we're in as we find a new pastor, God, and we seek your, your will and your heart for this place, God. Lord, that we would say as you wish, God. As you wish, God. Send the right person in the right place or the right, the right person for this place, I should say. Lord, speak to the hearts of our board members and our leadership as they, as they seek that out and, and look for that solution, God. And Lord, let them just walk in your yoke and let your yoke be easy, as it says in the word, God. Let them not be weighed down or overwhelmed by this situation or this circumstance, God. But let them just fully trust in you that they would still say, as you wish, God. As you wish. None of us know on our own how to do it, God. We cannot manufacture uh, your will. We cannot manufacture the right person, God. But you can bring that person. You've been calling them. And help us to just know in our spirits who that is and what the next steps are, God. As you wish, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. Pray for this week.